Hi there, and welcome to The Brave, a podcast all about resilience. I'm your host, Beth and Vincent, and in each episode, I explore a different aspect of resilience, whether that's overcoming challenge, dealing with risk, managing to push through through tough times. And I do this through chatting to people. I have people coming on the show and we do a bit of an interview, a bit of a general chit chat. I also sometimes explore topics by myself when we do a real deep dive. Now this week in episode 9, I've got Rebecca Rafferty on the show talking to me and we explore actually a number of different topics all centred around resilience. So we chat about things like imposter syndrome, being a woman in the tech world and how to deal with knowing what you want to do with your career, which I think is a really big question that I've definitely asked myself a number of times. And we also chat about Rebecca's work with Women in Tech York. Now, it was an absolute pleasure to have her on, so I'm just going to dive straight into this interview, and I really hope you enjoy it. So, um, I'm Rebecca Rafferty. I currently work as an online product officer at STEM Learning, so kind of like specking up what's going to go into different parts of our systems, like the website and how people use our sort of software. Um, I also am the co-founder of Women in Tech York, which runs every the second Thursday of every month. Awesome. Yeah. Could you tell us a little bit more about Women in Tech York and what what kind of how you came up with the idea really yeah sure so um it's been going almost a year now so first birthday's coming up um we were talking about it internally at work when I used to work at my finch and we were saying how it was nice to meet people in tech just generally we were talking about how a lot of places like Leeds and Glasgow and London have women in tech groups and we thought why doesn't York have one we've got we had like agile you know we've got York developers we've got all these amazing tech communities why can't we have women in tech York so Ashley and I just kind of organised it, had a go, and we booked, um, I don't know if you came to the first one, but we booked it in this tiny room in the Royal Oak Hotel, and we all absolutely crammed in, it was so hot and sweaty, but that made me realise that there was an appetite for it, so then we started to make it a more regular thing, and we picked the second Thursday, because people kept saying to me, when is the next one, when's the next date, so now we're much more sort of strict with mm. are. and you have a lot of attendees now because I, I come to them regularly and they're great events so yeah, there's yeah. normally about 40 people yeah we normally get about 40 on average our most popular one was the one we did on poster syndrome and we got like 70 and we were oversubscribed to that one the space allows for more people but food and things sort of mm. restricts our numbers at the moment but yeah yeah cool so listeners may be wondering why women in tech is relevant to resilience mm-hmm. and I think diversity in tech as an industry is a subject that's really widely talked about and acknowledged as an issue now but I was wondering if you could maybe talk a bit about your experiences of being a woman in tech and how this may be fed into wanting to bring women and it's not just women who come to the events it's kind of anyone who supports diversity in tech in general but how and why you brought people together yeah sure so um, I did a physics degree so from quite early on I've been like the only female in the room in things like seminars or lectures and things so I've had it kind of throughout my career and then in my first job um, I was the only female on the interview day um, so because I remember they, they took my picture and the HR lady joked with me she goes oh we don't really take a picture because we'll remember you as the only sort of female and I remember at the time I just got a picture taken and thought yeah yeah well whatever then I went home and thought about it and it's things like that throughout my career that have just kind of been littered in that makes you realise that you are maybe a bit more on your own in some circumstances yeah and I think I wanted to just bring people together and sort of show well I sometimes miss that company I have it more so now because I work in a much more diverse team but I used to kind of miss it so I thought by bringing everybody together you can we can sort of say look 
like you're not on your own there is someone else maybe like you at another company mm. so that's definitely something that I enjoy about women in tech and, and like you say loads of people turn up all genders you know so I get to meet also different people that I wouldn't meet in my normal day-to-day life like different jobs and things so um, and I find I don't know about you but in tech it's very much like you're a developer or you're a tester yeah like when I started my first job as a developer I couldn't code and they taught me to code it was only when I then moved jobs that I realized there were things like project managers and testers and all sorts of different things I'd never like heard of before so I think that's a good way to open the world of tech up a little bit to different people and I think going back to what you said about it was the little thing that you kind of notice like I've had this throughout my career and I call it dog whistles yeah it's not everyone will hear the dog whistle but if you're a dog that's a really bad analogy (laughs) but you know if you hear it you hear it and you're Mm. quite and you pick up on those little things so has there anything have you done anything in your career so far that's kind of helped you I don't want to say overcome because it's not necessarily always a huge barrier it's just mm. something you feel a bit like oh that was weird or odd but do you have any tips maybe for anyone in a similar situation just starting out and yeah. wanting to be a woman in tech yeah I always say like don't let it bother you too much like I always used to it's meant something to be said or like you'd hear a comment like that you know it's not offensive or a problem it's just a like you say oh of course I am the only woman here or whatever um I would just say like try not let it like bother you or worry you and if you are kind of missing that female company or maybe that female mentor that you may be have had throughout your life then try and go to things like women in tech or york developers agile groups things that maybe you can find someone like you i guess if that makes sense if you go somewhere but i mean yeah i would say just not let it yeah fuss you i think that 90% of the times really works mm. but then there will be the occasion and I can think of a couple of times in yeah. my career so I think I've written about this online but I went to a conference a number of years ago and something like pretty there was an incident basically with a dude who was very inappropriate mm. and you suddenly backed like oh yeah I'm a woman like yeah. you're forced to remember almost yeah. your identity yeah, and it's yeah. so frustrating but I think it's great that these kind of communities exist. Definitely. And what are your plans then for women in tech? How do you see it kind of growing? Because it is growing massively by the looks of it. Yeah, it's definitely growing. So we've got a few events coming up in the pipeline. We try and run on like a three-month kind of window with a few sort of things in the future. So it's our first birthday in June. And then from then, we're just going to try and pick topics that maybe interest our community. So on our birthday, we're going to ask people kind of what they want to hear and nine times out of ten people are like oh you're just doing a great job like you pick something <laughs> yeah. like, thanks for the feedback yeah, yeah. really you're running out of ideas but yeah. the imposter syndrome session was really mm. interesting and I was wondering if you could kind of talk a little bit about that and maybe how you experienced that event yeah sure so um, we had someone called Josie um, who is the partner of um, one of the people who's on the WIC committee and they came along and spoke about imposter syndrome and because they do a psychology sort of PhD I think it is they're doing and they're doing a lot of that kind of research in what they're doing at the moment so they came along and spoke to us about like um, what it is maybe how you can identify it and ways you can kind of combat it and I found what was the most amazing thing in that talk for me was that they used themselves as a case study for imposter syndrome so they said when we asked them to to do this they were like why me you know what do I have on someone who's had 10 years experience and they put all this up on the board and I remember sitting there thinking like that's so brave that you have stood up and said here was my thought process for accepting this (laughs) keynote you know yeah and I think for me that was the biggest takeaway that you have to just kind of 
maybe look at it and think, well, you know, they did that talk, they're absolutely fantastic, it was our most well-attended, most Twitter interactions and things like that, so... Mm. Have you had imposter syndrome in your career? Most definitely. I think that's why I... Potentially why I'm no longer a developer. Oh, interesting. So, I love development, but I was... I was never that fussed about it, if that makes sense. Mm, like, mm. people who are really into dev, like, they're always, they're up to, like, God knows when, doing all sorts of cool stuff. And it's all really interesting when you hear about it, but I found myself just going home thinking, I'm done. I don't want to keep up. I don't need to know about the new technology. I was finding I was losing interest. And then that's when, sort of, I think the imposter syndrome set in. And I was thinking, they're going to realise in a minute that I don't want to do this, I don't care, or that I am okay. not trying to develop. That makes sense? Almost feeling like you're not committed enough. Yes, exactly, yeah. And I don't think you have to be fully committed to be a developer. Yeah. I think it was just, as I was realising I wasn't progressing at the level I wanted to, I was also thinking, when are they going to... Find out. Yeah, when are they going to realise that I'm not not cut out for this kind of thing? Yeah, it's it's difficult, that, because I think a lot of employees sometimes expect you should be 100% committed. It's not all you feel that they expect, yes. that you should be 100% committed to something. And... We all have lives outside of yeah, work, yeah. which are important. And obviously, you know, you use it to run these events. I use my life outside work to do this podcast. Yeah. And they're still, it's still growing us as individuals, but it's not necessarily pure work. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that mm. kind of pressure to conform to that is sometimes quite difficult. Mm. I think especially for women as well, because yeah. you still have, like you were literally talking about, you still have that underlying thing of like, they'll find out. Yeah, yeah. that was the biggest worry, because they taught me to code at my first job. I was like very grateful for that. And they gave me like six months to work on of this report with one of the most senior devs, and he was unbelievably helpful. And I learned so much in those six months, and they put me on a real project. And I started off like, this is great, I'm doing really well. And then it started to kind of, set in a little bit that I didn't have maybe that mentor all the time yeah. you know if they were busy or in meetings they'd say can you just get on with this and there were times when it'd be all right and then I'd have a code review and you know as happens your code is ripped to shreds and then you come away and thinking oh my goodness I'm terrible but now looking back it was just it was to help and it did help but at the time I was thinking oh yeah no. and I wonder if we are socialised, especially kind of people of our generation, not to take feedback very well. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think so. We're told our whole lives, like, you're amazing, you can do anything. Yeah. And, you know, we are amazing, but yeah. not everyone can do everything. Exactly. And I think that was the hardest thing when I realised I didn't want to be a developer anymore. It was that, like, stepping into the unknown. I've, I've been a developer for two years and I tried to do a project management job and it didn't quite work out, so I went back to development. And then in that time, while I was being a developer, I was thinking, no, I'm going to give something a good go. And towards the end of my time at MyFitch, I was thinking, oh, I don't know if it's a developer I want to mm. want to be. And then it was stepping into that unknown, like, well, what else can I do? Is there anything else I'm going to be good at? What can I... Mm. What's next? <laughs> but that's incredibly brave to have that honesty mm. with yourself. And was it a snap decision? Or was it a bit more gradual, just kind of coming to terms with it? That, again, isn't the right phrase. Yeah, it was definitely more gradual, I think. Because I've always had it in the back of my head, even when I like accepted that first job as a developer I've always had it in the back of my mind that I wasn't sure whether development was mm. my forever goal I'm quite I am quite a spontaneous person occasionally <laughs> and I was worried that I would spontaneously jump into another job but so far product ownership kind of project management seems to be working out for me mm. but I mean who knows in three years time I might make another like snap decision and move somewhere else but I think that's okay though yeah. now, I think a lot more people, it's more accepted that you can do that yeah. and companies don't mind that you haven't worked somewhere for 10 years. Yes, yeah, there's a lot less loyalty I think isn't there mm. with companies, like people always say to me, oh you know you've moved around, I've 
I think I've had like three or four jobs in the last four years and they say oh how how do people take it I'm like well they just accept that you yeah. move on like one was in Durham and I moved back here one was that didn't work out and it was development and then now I want to do something else so yeah but it's all fine mm, I hope so anyway <laughs> so this is a question I ask everyone who comes on the show but what would you say is the most difficult thing you've had to overcome so far in your life mm, it's a hard question that is a hard question mm. I'm not sure but a pretty smooth I don't know I think actually although it's not a huge issue I had to overcome it was the fact just accepting that I didn't want to do be a developer so I, it was it kind of accepting that it's all right to not have a career path in your head so when we were at university it was I'm sure it was probably the same for you it's mm. absolutely pummeled down your throat that you need to find a career you need to be successful in your career and I did a physics degree and the, what they used to say was you can be a teacher or you can do a PhD oh really those that were was, the two options basically it, yeah wow and they used to really push those two. And I did go for a Teach First interview. I did look at PhDs, but neither of which seemed like something I actually wanted to do. Like, I really love going into schools and helping out and doing all that kind of stuff. We do a lot with WIT, but the thought of doing it all the time just mm. was not for me. And when I left my first job um, and then ended up at Mitrefinch and I was trying development again, I was like, I don't want to be a developer forever. And it was that internal struggle of, well, what do I want to be? And coming round to the fact that you don't have to have, like, in ten years' time, yeah. I will be X. And then ten years after that, I will be Y. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I, I think it's kind of a common misconception of being an adult, that you have your shit together and you know yes. what you want to do and who, yeah. who you are. And everyone spends all this time, like, looking for themselves and yeah. all of this. And I, I asked my granddad, I really remember this conversation, like, so, you know, like when did you realise what you wanted to be I think he worked in insurance in the end and he was like Bethan I'm 86 retired and I still don't know yeah. <laughs> and I was like that's reassuring and yeah. terrifying in equal measure yeah <laughs> and in terms of giving advice to people who are in a similar situation maybe they've just graduated you know they, they've got a skill set they don't necessarily know where they want to be do you have any advice for those people yeah I would say that pretty much all experience that you get in a job is good experience so if you accept a job like a developer or a teacher and after two years you realize that that's not for you you probably have loads of transferable skills that you've built up over those two three years or even one year while you've been somewhere so I would say like really write your CV to like boost your those kind of skills mm. so I always write my CV based on like the job that you get and I always pick out keywords that they have and then find those examples in my what I've done so far so I would say don't like don't panic if you've gone down the wrong the wrong path in quotes mm. don't then think right that's it I'm, I'm done I can't do anything else like you can always change yeah change what you do yeah I, I mean people become developers later in life people do all sorts of things you know people do go off and have families you're more than entitled to like change your mind I guess and what you want to do yeah that's a really nice turn of phrase isn't it you're yeah. more than entitled to change your mind yeah and I think that's what I have come around to understanding in the last sort of couple of years that if I pick something it's not that's not it. it's not set in stone everything can can change or be movable yeah and th there is a bit of resilience in dealing with that change though mm. I think some people are very comfortable just doing one thing and they might not love what they do and they might wish they could do something else but they they feel it's very hard to switch yeah I agree there's people who I've met while well, working different jobs who've been somewhere for like 10 20 years and they mumble and they moan but they would never change that and that's all right I think it's fine to also not change if mm. you're comfortable in what you're doing but I'm definitely like a more of a flight 
kind of person, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I've definitely found that in just in my life, that I'm much more of a, like, a, everything's terrible, okay, no, it's actually fine. You know, like a yeah. more up and down rather than just a steady... But that's a positive trait, though, in I lots guess. of ways, because it forces you then to do things that are the big leap into the unknown. Yeah, yeah. And you're much more likely to find me just launching for that leap and then regretting about it later. Yeah. Then, then. You can deal with the regret. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. Future me problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think there's never anything you can do that's irreparable. No. That's what, yeah, that's what my mum always used to say to me when I was younger. Like, nothing is set in stone. If you make a mistake, nine times out of ten, it's, it's fixable or you can learn from it at the very least. Yeah. And I think more people would have a happier life if they realised that. Yeah, yeah. And not, I don't think anything is a mistake. Like, if you pick a job that's not quite right, like, you've learnt from yeah. that and you can just move on and try yeah. something new. Cool. I think it's such an interesting thing because I did a talk on it for, like, um, what was it? Girls in Biology or girls in science that's what it was they asked me to go along and do a talk about my journey from physics into IT and I did the whole talk and I remember at the end of the talk I said come and find me in a couple of years you might you do know what I'm doing it turns out I've changed already Even like yeah. yeah so that was interesting and a lot of them sat there were doing PhDs or were younger and they were looking at me like oh right okay so I don't have to have it all together because yeah. I was like I did this and I did this and then I gave up for a bit and then da, 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 you know yeah, and do you think there are enough role models for, especially young women in tech, that they can look up to and almost realise things like that? I think it's getting better, definitely. When I was growing up, I don't think there was many that I was made aware of. I did have two really great maths teachers at A-level, but by that point, it's too it's yeah. too late, really. I think, um, I don't know if you've seen, but Wise are doing that, women in, women in STEM role models, you know, all that kind of good stuff. I think as we start to do more things like that, it'll start to really... Yeah, open it up and just for everybody, like you know, everybody needs a role model, really. If they oh, yeah. get some water, so I think. Yeah, I think what really shocked me was at, at Netsells, we are part of the um, Tech Shikam PwC Charter, and they they did some research in schools and it. They interviewed, um, I think it was about a thousand young women, you know, in kind of GCSE year, I think it was, and only three percent of them would consider a career in tech. It was low for um, males, it was 18%, mm. but 3% yeah, would shocking. consider it at that age. Yeah. And it's how do you change those people's minds, and representation is really important, but the role model aspect also is invaluable. If no one tells you you can do something, yeah. why would you think you can? Exactly. Yeah, you're totally right, because you look up to what you've got around you, so like what your parents do, maybe even grandparents, teachers, you have that immediate circle, and if you don't know anyone that works in tech, or you can't see someone like you or that does something that you can even just ask a simple question like, do you enjoy it or how can I get there? You're never going to imagine that as an option, are you, really? Mm. Awesome. So this also is a question I ask everyone who comes on the show and uh, feel free to take a moment to respond. (laughs) But what does resilience mean to you? I think for me it means just trying to get on with stuff. Mm. That makes sense. So if you make a bad decision, it's all right to like wobble and get upset about it. But once you've kind of got that out of the way, just getting on and changing your mind, like having that ability to to change as you go, maybe, yeah. does that make sense? And accept it. Yeah, like accept what you're doing. So just, if you make a bad decision, just think, right, never mind, next thing. Or if you do something that you're not quite happy with, think, next time, I will get it right or whatever. And is that the thought process you kind of use yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think I use that whole like decide now worry about it later (laughs) sometimes sometimes I spend months worrying about something then make a decision 
and then think, oh, that wasn't, that was not so bad at all. Why was I yeah. concerned about that? And so I'm Rebecca Rafferty. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Rebecca Raff, with two Fs, one zero. And um, if you want to find out more about women in tech, um, our Twitter is at WIT underscore York. Um, and we run our events on the second Thursday of every month. You can find us on Eventbrite by searching with York. The next one is on the 9th of May. And sneak preview is going to be all about mental health. Ooh. So it should be a really good one. That sounds like an amazing topic. Yes. Well, I will be there. So if you want to come and find us both, we'll be there. Yep, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much to Rebecca for coming on the show. That was a really enjoyable episode to record and I really love touching on all those different subjects. If you liked what you heard and the podcast in general, please feel free to leave a review and a star rating. That would be amazing. You can find me on Twitter at Beth and Vincent as well if you want to tell me what you think in a longer form or you can follow the podcast itself at The Brave Listen and that's where I put all the news about what's coming up, who I'm interviewing, who I'm talking to so you can get all the gossip there. And I'll see you in next week's episode. <laughs>